Hey guys, it's Caleb with War Council. This is episode 39, Business Mentorship and Apprenticeship. Uh, War Council is a hobby-centered podcast for miniature enthusiasts. Um, it's taken me a little while to get to this episode because I wanted to make sure that I did it right, and I did it in a way that you guys would, would really appreciate. Um, this is a bit of a different episode for us because essentially we're aiming this not at all hobbyists everywhere, as most of our show is, is designed for. Um, we aim more counsel at the regular hobbyist painters and builders and um, people that are interested in the hobby, but not necessarily the game uh, that these these miniatures um, are, are intended for. Um, we don't do meta talk. We don't do game-related talk for the most part. We, we aim at hobby. Um, so how you know, painting techniques and, and uh, sculpting techniques. And we talk with industry leaders about their businesses. Um, we just did a, a really great episode with um, Adam from Beyond the Brush and talked about his high-end uh, work, his competition painting. And those are the kind of guys we really like to talk to. But this podcast in particular is actually aimed at, um, well, it's probably aimed at you if you're listening to this. And it's because you probably have some into interest in commission painting. Now, Maybe you don't want to be a commission painter yourself, or maybe you're just dabbling in it. But, I mean, these days the economy, you know, they say that the recession's over, but I don't know if I really believe that um, because it still feels tight out there. And one of the reasons I got into this full-time in the first place was because there was a, a lack of jobs for me out there. Um, I have a very, uh, you know, kind of like Liam Neeson, I have a very specific set of skills. And those skills don't really translate to a lot of real world jobs. Not that I haven't had those. I worked in banking for four years, a hospital for six. I did uh, industry service for about 10 or so. Um, so I've, I've done a myriad of jobs and I had what you might call a career in administrative work, which has translated well to white metal games. But after one of those jobs ended, I was kind of between jobs and I was trying to figure out what I wanted to do next. And, and I made the, the decision to plunge full-time into my commission studio. And at that time, we were doing around $40,000 a year in business, which sounds like a lot. Um, but the reality is uh, it, it kind of goes faster than you think. Um, you know, that was a few years ago. And now we just celebrated our fifth year in business, 2011. And this year, we finally cleared $100,000 in commissions. Now, to put that in context, we started out as a hobby blog back in 2011. Just me alone doing really whatever sort of struck my fancy. At first, it was just building models for my personal uh, Tyranid army back then and selling those on eBay and sort of learning to sculpt from scratch, learning to paint without really having a lot of tutors other than just what I could find on YouTube. Um, so part of this comes from that, uh, that in the beginning I didn't really have a good teacher and I had to learn by doing. I had to learn by just just doing it myself. And so because of that, I had to learn the hard way in a lot of things. And I made a lot of mistakes. And there's a lot of things that I think if I had done them differently, things might have gone faster or smoother. But you know, whether or not the train's on the on the shortest track, it eventually gets to its location. And by all accounts, this has grown, white metal has really grown beyond any of my expectations. Um, what started out as a very, very simple service for a few clients a month, you know, has now grown to a business that supports three full-time artists and two part-time artists. And we also just hired on a, a social media 
uh, analyst to help us build our YouTube and Patreon channels in, in 2017. Um, so it's really just expanded beyond my original scope. So part of what this is is an attempt to give back. Um, I felt like in the beginning, if I hadn't had resources on YouTube and blogs to learn from, I wouldn't have been able to really get going. But from that, um, even now, there's not a lot of businesses out there that offer mentoring. They don't really, you know, share with you all of the trade secrets and they don't tell you how the sausage is made, so to speak. I'm constantly looking for new services. In fact, a few years ago, uh, we still have it on our, on our website. We have a painting database, as I, I think it's called. And the idea was to sort of track every painting commission service there was, was to find them all, locate them all, have a web page uh, link to them, and then kind of explain what their basic services they offered. And the goal was to be very transparent and to let you know, look, there's more businesses out there. You can choose any of them. If you go with us, great, but you don't have to. We fully you support the community and we welcome competition because the competition actually makes us better. It doesn't make us it doesn't starve us. It, it actually feeds us. It, it causes us to want to create a better product, a better overall model, offer more. Uh, it keeps our rates fair as opposed to inflating them to crazy belief, to crazy points. Um, so it, it allows a standard to measure against. So we, we absolutely welcome competition. But the last couple years, I've noticed that um, there are more paint services than ever before. And I use the word paint service liberally because a lot of these services aren't really services at all. They're just, they're like I was in the beginning. They're one-man operations that have a Facebook page, and that's really about it. A few of them have started up blogs or maybe a Wix page, but for the most part, they're kind of just getting started. And we get questions all the time through email about, well, how do you find clients and how do you uh, build your business and how did you build your website? Or very specific questions like, how did you find your accountant? And how do you improve your photography? Or how did you learn to do this or do that or, or whatever? And when I was talking with Adam um, from Beyond the Brush a couple weeks ago, he complimented our website on being very comprehensive. And that's that was absolutely a compliment to me because that's what I wanted. I always wanted a website that was, there wasn't any veil. There was It was very clear what you were getting. The pricing was clear and transparent and straightforward and it made sense and it was competitive with the industry and the list of services we offered would be vast and now if you look at our website we've gone far beyond what was once just a simple painting studio to having uh every service really that, that you could kind of want we wanted to be sort of a one-stop shop for your commission needs from painting to assembly conversions uh, custom kit bashes display boards and demo boards were added in the past couple months uh, LEDs got added about six months ago. Um, we also do consignment. We're starting a trade-in program next year. Our terrain program is kicking off in full swing. Uh, and now this, now the mentorship program. So, you know, just to sum up, in five years, we've grown from a small hobby blog making a couple hundred dollars a month to a business that now grossed six figures this year um, and supports three full-time artists and a handful of part-time artists. In fact, our business has grown so large, we've had to expand from what was once a bedroom to a garage to two garages. And now in July, 
our, our hope, our goal is to partner up with um, Spikey Bits, who is based in Fayetteville. And the plan is for them to relocate to Raleigh, and we want to combine our studios, uh, well, our businesses, rather. So we'll essentially coexist in one space, and it will become a premier mecca for gaming on the East Coast, where people can come, and uh, much like they do at many wargaming, they almost pilgrimage there to do battle reports. They'll do that with us, and they'll be able to have their armies painted by us. Uh, Rob over at Spiky Bits will help promote and so it's a really exciting time to be in this. Um, I'm really pleased with the direction the company is going in, and uh, I can't help but feel very, very grateful and very thankful to all of the clients that we've had uh, the past five years that have helped us grow. Um, now, we're definitely not one of the flashier services out there. Um, we do promote on the blogs and the forums, but I think we sometimes we're still kind of the best-kept secret there is in a lot of ways. Um, we're consistent and reliable and um, very dependable, and our customer service, in my opinion, is top-notch. Our pricing is fair, but our models aren't always the most flashy, and that's because the artists that we have acquired are very, very talented craftsmen, and we don't always rely on the flashiest techniques to get it done. We want to create high-end models, and in fact... The range of the models we offer now goes all the way from tabletop to, uh, I would argue, models that, that rival the heavy metal team in our diamond range. Um, and some of the artists we have in house now, um, Val and Philip, these are classically trained artists. Val was, was trained at the St. Petersburg Academy of Art. Philip was also classically trained. Um, so really, it's just the business has grown, again, beyond any scope that I can imagine. Jonathan, even even Jonathan, one of our newer artists, who's only been with us for about a year now, um, he actually does commission work on the side. You know, he does kind of like moonlighting, I suppose you might call it. And he just booked his first full-on army um, for a thousand dollars. Now, <laughs> seven months ago, this was a guy that came to me, and he had a small hobby page, he had a Facebook page, and that was it. And over the course of seven or eight months, I've really helped him to sort of grow his business reevaluate his website and now he's he booked a thousand dollar commission this month and i didn't help him with that at all he has learned from us he has grown with us and he has uh you know improved his painting tremendously and um using our resources and our techniques he has now grown his own business into something unique and special uh that's allowed him to uh, I mean, eventually he may be able to leave his full-time job and go into full-time commission work. Danny, another one of our painters who does painting on the side, um, through our referral program, War Paint, which I'll talk more about later, uh, he's doing private commissions with clients that, frankly, no longer can afford our rates, but they still have a need for miniature painting. So through us, he's able to book those private commissions. Um, and that's something that we want to offer to other potential clients as well like you so you know really what today is all about is what we're offering in terms of, of business mentorship and apprenticeship and how you can take advantage of it and really what it would cost and the rates involved so um i guess like every other show i'm going to take a quick break and when i jump back in i'm going to dial down a little bit into what that means exactly and what we're offering with mentorship and apprenticeship um, and what you can look forward to with that package. 
So if uh, you're still with me after the break, that means that you are thinking about commission work and more power to you. And that means that I hopefully can entice you uh, with some private sessions and we'll get right into it right after this. Are you a tabletop quality painter in the Raleigh area with 10 hours or more a week to spare? Have you ever thought about becoming a commission painter before, but you weren't sure it was right for you? White Metal Games is looking for talented painters in the Raleigh area to join our studio team. You're paid by the job, not by the hour, so you can paint at your own pace. Send us pictures of your painted models to info at whitemetalgames.com, and we just might be interested in speaking with you. Put your minis where your mouth is. Okay, so um, I guess we're going to jump into, uh, I suppose... Would this be service spotlight? I'm not really sure. This is kind of a weird episode, so maybe we'll, we won't even label these segments. But um, in the introduction, I was I was talking about what we're offering in business mentoring. Well, I wasn't. I was talking about really what what the last couple of years have been, and, and you know, frankly, how the business has grown. And I wanted to set that up so that you would have a reason why you should why you should book with us for mentorship, or why you should approach us about apprenticeship. Um, there's a lot, as I kind of mentioned in the introduction, there's more businesses out there than ever. And I really don't even know if I call them businesses. I'd call them services. Uh, there's hobbyists out there that are willing to, um, you know, hire themselves out as brushes for hire. Um, really just about to anybody to build their business and to build their galleries, to build their samples. And all of that is good. It's all useful and helpful. But it may not be what I see with a lot of these guys is they struggle in the beginning and they struggle with some of the same things that I struggled with early on. They struggle with how to improve their conversions, how to uh, get more clients, how to book more jobs and how not to just be a hobbyist on the side. Um, In fact, kind of speaking of that, I have a, I have another business that's kind of in the background. It's Caleb Dillon photographers and I got into that through photography. Uh, photography has always been kind of a part-time interest of mine. And I've, I've done it on and off over the years. But a few years ago, we, uh, we shot a, a film that I directed um, because back a long time ago, this is really off topic, but a long time ago when I was in school, I went to school for filmmaking. And I pursued it on and off over the years and finally had an opportunity a couple years ago to direct a film. And after the film was over with, I, I really wanted to keep shooting. Um, but we didn't have money for a film, so I was looking for other things to shoot. And so I launched Caleb Dillon Photographers as a photography service and videography service. And to be honest with you, I forgot how hard it is to get a business off the ground because uh, at that point, White Metal was really churning along pretty well. We were on our way to $60,000 in commissions that year that that CDP got launched. Um, So... I really didn't know. I thought it would kick off faster and I forgot just how hard it is. And it was really been a humbling lesson for me to remember that just because one of my businesses is doing well, the other one is, you know, it's like a flower without attention and water and light. It doesn't grow. And that's really what this is designed to be is essentially, I want to give you the tools you need to grow your business. Now, just to be clear and straight up, so you don't have to keep listening to this if you don't want to, this is not a free service. Uh, we are charging for it, but as an introductory rate, we're proposing a very low rate, um, and that rate is five one-hour sessions for $50 a session, $250 paid up front. 
Um, and essentially the way that breaks down is starting in January, we will do one hour sessions a week with every client. I want to book 10. I'm interested in booking with 10 clients uh, so that I can give them the individual attention they deserve. So the first week of January, in theory, um, we would book, you know, you would have your first session. And then the second week in January, your second session, and so on and so forth. Um, you know, and, and really it may not be that fast, but ideally we want to start these in January. So we're going to take the first 10 clients that approach us about this uh, until we fill those 10 slots. And then afterwards we're going to evaluate it and decide where to go with that. So this is an introductory rate for 10 clients. Um, so that's five one-hour sessions at $50 a session, four sessions back-to-back -back over four weeks. And then we're going to give you three months to kind of use all of that information and launch your business. And after three months, we'll come back to you and do a one-hour evaluation and kind of take a look at your website, see where you're at with things. Yes, I said website because that is absolutely essential to launching your hobby business. Um, and we're going to take a look back after the first quarter, see where you are, and then decide if you need follow-up or if you're satisfied with where you are. Um, and we will talk about you know, where your business goes from there if you continue to need this. Now, we're not the first person that's ever thought of this. Blue Table did this a few years ago. Um, and I, I don't know how successful it was because Sean and I don't really have any sort of relationship. I've reached out to him a few times, but he generally hasn't responded to anything I've sent. So... Um, but I can tell you that when he launched his mentoring service, he did it at 1250 for five sessions. Now, I don't think that's unfair because his business is much bigger than mine. I think that if our business is where it is now, his business now is where I want to be a few years from now. Um, I think that they probably book over half a million dollars in commissions a year, if not more, frankly. Um, so I, I don't think that I have anything to tell him about how to run a business. Clearly, he's done a great job, which is why he was charging twelve fifty for five sessions. But I'm not. I'm charging two fifty for five sessions. Um, and I don't know anyone else that's doing this, so I, I can't say for sure whether or not that rate is the best. But that's what I'm charging. Um, and after these ten clients have booked, we will be able to see whether or not the what they got for their money is fair. But I think about when I think about consultations like um, a business consultation. And it's not unusual to see a $250 fee. So what I'm doing is I'm breaking that session down into five one-hour segments so that you can at least have time to absorb what's going on. So now that you know the rates and you know what it would be, let's talk about what those sessions would be. Um, so the first session is what I like to call foundations. And it's, an, it's kind of your origin story. Uh, essentially, I want to talk with you about what your concept for your business is. Um, now, I know basically that would be a commission service, but, you know, really this is getting to know you a little bit. Do you want to do terrain services? Do you want to do hobby services, painting services? Are you going to build your own models? Are you going to convert models? Are you going to kit bash? Do you have the materials to kit bash? Um, so what are you going to do? And not only that, but what are you going to charge? How do you evaluate your business? Do you ask for what you deserve? Or do you feel like you should ask for what you think you can get? Um, and there's an argument to be made for both. We tend to ask for what we think we deserve because then there's no reciprocity. If, if we are paid what we asked for, then the client is going to get what we feel is, is fair. Like if they, when we slate out our, our services at, let's say, 
you know, this much, and they agree to those terms, there's no bad blood. We're getting the money we asked for. They're paying for what they want, and everybody wins. So pricing is one of those things that you really have to think about in the beginning. Um, more important than pricing is, is really how do you find clients? Where do you start? You know, uh, these days, like, you can have a Facebook business page, and that's not hard. But there's so many pages, and there's new ones all the time. Earlier in the show, I mentioned the service page I was offering that was kind of like a, a paint directory, I think is what we called it. And there was 200 services on it, and I stopped because I, I started to find so many. There must be over a 1,000 now, and there's more all the time. In fact, you can go on there tomorrow and start a business page on Facebook and call it ABC Painting. But that doesn't mean you should go on the directory. And that's essentially why I stopped, was that I found people that aren't really commission artists. They're really hobbyists that are looking to build build up a start for their business. So I, I kind of put it, think of it like this. There's a, a kid that used to come around and mow my grass, and he would do it for 20 bucks. And then I met at a restaurant one night a landscaper who offered to come in and completely redo our, our lawn for around 2500 And he wasn't going to mow the grass. He was going to completely change the landscape of the yard. He was going to redefine the surface and you know, uh, reposition plants and add things and take things away and really build from the, from the soil up. And that's kind of what you're doing when you do a business. Um, you know, there's nothing wrong with being the equivalent of the, the kid who's mowing your grass for 30, for 30 minutes for 20 bucks, but it, it's not the same thing as building a business. And that's what this podcast is aimed at is that you should treat your business like a business, not like a lemonade stand, not like you're a, a yard boy that just mows the grass if that's where you start, that's fine. There's nothing wrong with that. That's where we started. But this is really aimed at more, how do you get beyond that? How do you go from lawn boy to landscaper? Um, So the first session is about the foundations of your business and how will you build your business? What will your business be? What will the price model you use for it be? And how do you find clients? Um, How do you make your service stand out to clients? Are you going to work alone? Or are you going to hire other people to do things you can't do? Um, are you going to offer your services at a level system like we do, where we have anything starting at bronze for horde armies all the way up to diamond for one-of-a-kind artistic pieces? Or are you going to just offer one specific paint range like, well, frankly, like many services, like Beyond the Brush, like Adon, uh, you know, um, uh, like uh, GMM? Um there's tons of services out there and they paint to one level and there's lots of good reason for that, but that's not the way we did our business. So you have to sort of decide, are you going to be a level service or are you going to be a, uh, paint to your best ability all the time service? And there's, I think room for both and quite a bit of reasons to go either way. And that really depends on you. And when I get to know you a little bit, I'll be able to give you good advice as to which of those you should do. Um, I also want to, in the foundation session, talk to you about the realities of miniature painting. Specifically, what is your goal? What are you aiming to do with this session? What would be a successful business for you? Is it one commission a month, two commissions a month, leaving your full-time job and becoming a full-time commission artist? Because based on that, we can decide what the best course for your business to take is. Um, You know, Do you want to make enough money just to cover your own hobby, or do you actually want to make this a real job and make some real money. Um, 
And largely that's dependent upon you and your aims and your goals because it's not going to be the same for everybody. Um, our business takes, you know, some weeks I work 80 or 90 hours and that's not a good lifestyle for most people. Um, and the only reason it works rank, frankly right now for me is because my wife is busy with graduate school. So it suits my lifestyle right now, but it won't suit my lifestyle in a few years. And at that time I'm hoping the business is, you know, moving along at not such a crazy hectic schedule and we've got things more ironed out. So we're learning too, as we go, but um, certainly in the beginning, I think that having someone there to help me would have been a great benefit. So session one is about your foundations and your origin and really what is the basic model for your business and what are you trying to do? Um, and then from there we move into session two, um, which is all about building your website. So when I say building your website, I do mean website and I don't mean a Facebook page. Not to say anything bad about Facebook, we do have a Facebook page that we update very regularly. Facebook is great, just like every social media platform, but I would, I would hardly call my Twitter page my business page, nor would I call Instagram my, my business page. So why do people think that it's okay to make your Facebook page your business page? Because Facebook designated it as business? They didn't. Really what they're doing is they're saying, claim your digital real estate and that really has to do more with your website than your Facebook page. Um, I mean, in the beginning, when you first launch a Facebook page, it's just going to have some sort of weird address anyway, some sort of, you know, QXY123 reference number. It's not really going to be your business page at first, not until you grow your following. But with your regular web page, you essentially are claiming your space on the internet. You're claiming your site. And that all, that all really starts with the name of your business. Um, uh, someone who was really smart, uh, a friend of mine once told me, he said that when it comes down to SEO and business optimization for your webpage, the most important thing, the most important search tool you have is the name. Because, you know, guys who name their businesses painted figures or miniature painting are so smart. They, they did it right. Because they knew that people were going to be Googling for that. And that's where I would start. I would say pick the right name for your business. Um, we started with the name White Metal because we wanted to pay homage to the origins of the hobby um, and, and really the roots of what, how this all got started. And we wanted to remember what our roots were. But for your own business, it can be anything you want. And what we're going to talk about is how to get your website off the ground. Um, there's a lot of free apps out there for building your websites. I mentioned Wix earlier, and that's great at first, but if that goes well, you're probably going to want to think about actually launching a real website, and we can talk about that. We can actually, I can actually give you the name of my web designer, and if you have a budget to support a basic web package, we can talk about hiring him uh, for your business, and we can talk about what kind of templates you want to use, and uh, how your business should website should look, and what it should feel like. And then from there, I can really drill down with you into what you need to do to get that website built. We're going to talk about being your own first client and looking at your business from a client standpoint. I mean, so many times I go to hobby pages or businesses or websites that are just poorly organized. They don't, they're not easy to navigate. And, you know, when I go to a, a grocery store, if I can't find something quickly, I generally don't buy it. it one night I, I went there looking for... Um, some kind of weird noodle for my wife and they, I couldn't find it anywhere. I couldn't find it in the, 
in the bistro section. I couldn't find it in the, the foreign food section. Um, so I just didn't buy it. And that's the problem with websites is that if they're not well organized, if they're not straightforward, I mean, when I first started working with Jonathan on his website, I was so confused by his website. And uh, I asked him, I turned off the computer and I looked at him. I said, all right, I want you to paint me up 20 Space Marines and a Rhino. And I asked him, what would the price for that be? And he could not honestly give me an answer. And it was because his pricing method was so complicated. Even he didn't understand it. And when I explained to him, I was like, you have to look at this from a client perspective. You have to be your own first client and you have to figure out what it is a client sees on the page. Um, that's the most important thing when you're first building your businesses is to really think about from their perspective. Um, essentially, if I go into a restaurant, I need to look at a menu and I need to be able to navigate it and they need to be able to navigate your website. Um, we're also going to talk about things like SEO optimization which sounds really complicated, but really it boils down to simple tricks and techniques to make sure your website can get found. I mean, we can talk about how Google analyzes your website to make sure that your site is, is optimized. Uh, making sure that these days your site has to be optimized for apps. I mean, we track all of our traffic and we've realized over the last few years that more so now than ever, requests for quotes are coming in from phones, from tablets from game consoles. Um, people aren't using email the way they used to. So because of that, we can't keep our business model the same. We have to change. We have to evolve it. So how do you evolve your business to fit the, the new trends and the new models? Um, on top of that, when you are ready to launch your business, do you advertise? And if you do, where? And how much should you charge for that? Um, how much should you pay someone else to to really hawk your business? And at what point um, are you paying too much or paying too little? What is a good risk? What's a bad risk? Are you ready to advertise? Um, one of the things I always I pointed out to Jonathan in the beginning, and I'll, I'll certainly reiterate now, is that I always recommend getting to know your competition. You know, take a look at the businesses you want to be like. Figure out what their website looks like what their pricing structure is like, if they price on their website. Some of them don't. Explore their websites as a client, as a consumer, and then decide whether or not you want to emulate that or you want to uh, deviate from that. Um, I'm not embarrassed to say that in the beginning, I didn't know what I was doing. And I would literally copy and paste pieces from other websites and then modify it to my own website. And if you dig down deep in my website, you may even be able to find some of that original text, but we've changed so much now that we're no longer copying others. We're, we're setting the trend for ourselves. We're moving into fields that other commission services frankly aren't doing. Um, a lot of the services we like to emulate, we realized the last year, they're not doing all the things we want to do. And so we've had to move our business in new directions. And that helps to differentiate us, to make us new and unique. And that's only a good thing in my opinion. So how do you make your business stand out? How can you make your website as individual as you are and as individual as your painting services? Um, how can you make sure that your business is both as good as your competition and different from your competition? Um, and then we'll, we'll drill down into more important things like how do you use the pages? What should your pages on your website be? 
can use forms to save time. Um, in, in fact, one of the things that is the biggest time sink for our business, frankly, is estimates. Like, I, I mean, I, I I know that people like to think that the reality is that you you get a quote and you get a job, but that's really not it at all. In fact, I think that, and I'll talk about this a bit later on in the show, most of the quotes we do don't turn into jobs. In fact, only about 30% of the estimates we do become jobs. And that's something I call conversions. And we obviously are always trying to con- trying to increase our conversions. If all of the jobs we got came in, we wouldn't be able to keep up with them. So we're growing our business slowly over time. And as our business gets better, our client base gets better as well. We attract higher-end clients with higher-end models. Um, but one thing you can never gain is, is more time. So we have to find ways to be more efficient, and your website is the first step to that. Um, one of the things I've learned about my website from my photography business is that a lot of times photographers won't publish their rates, but they will say something on their website like, packages starting at this, and that number might be $2,000, $3,000. One guy I follow starts his weddings at $10,000. Um, and he's the kind of guy that you called up photograph like the president's wedding that kind of thing um but the transparency is helpful because it helps to dissuade the clients that really can't afford you um and so the way we get there is by using the website to not discourage clients but to just inform them of this is what it is that we're selling and you may or may not be our ideal client but we want to be very clear with you up front so that you can know whether or not you should follow up with us, um, whether or not it's worth your time to email us so that we keep the number of emails we send down. We want ideally every email that comes in to be from a client that is not exploring, but ready to book a commission. And by making our business more transparent, we ensure that more often. We try to make our business as clear as possible so people have a clear picture in mind of of what we offer. Um, So I've kind of diverged here, but really that's what session two is all about. It's about building your website business and trying to make sure that um, your business is ready from the ground up, really, is that so that your website will be, um, I guess, again, digital real estate. You can put your flag in the sand and say, this is what I stand for. Um, So that's what session two is all about. That leads me directly into session three, which is finding clients. And I talked about this a little bit in session two, or at least above, but really this boils down to where do you go to get clients? How do you find them? How do you locate them? I mean, one of the biggest problems I've run into recently is that new services really struggle with finding their ideal client pool. Um, And what I mean by ideal client pool is the client who is right for you. for example, if I want a business, there's a, a guy I know he used to have, a, a, he still has a business technically. His business is called Iron Dog Studios. And he was, he is one of the best orc commission artists I know. He builds some of the most amazing models, some of the inc- most incredible conversions. And I've learned so much from watching his business grow. Um, and people go to him for orc stuff. And they also do other projects as well, but what he's really well known for his, are his orc conversions and his orc painting. And um, he's just great. His name, again, his, his website is called Iron Dog Studios. 
And he finds his exact client because his business caters to his exact client. He is an orc enthusiast that pays orcs, plays orcs, and uses his commissions to pay for his hobby. And he gets exactly what he gives, you know. And I really admire that about his business. And um, he targets his clients exactly the way he, he should and the way he, he wants to. And that's really what um, I want to sort of talk with you about is, is how do you find those clients? Do you look on Facebook? Do you go to local game shops? Or do you patrol forums looking for people looking for work? Um, for me, it's been all about saturating the market. Um, you know, just getting ourselves everywhere. You know, we have a presence on YouTube, Twitter, Instagram, Cool Mini or Not, Facebook, uh, our website, of course, eBay is one of our biggest markets. And by saturating all of these different forums and platforms, we really appeal to a broad base of clients. And um, that means that we reach more clients and we reach more potential audiences with that. Um, so how do you saturate your market? How do you ensure that you get clients after you've built your business? And let me just also say that don't underestimate word of mouth. Um, referrals have always been a way to build business, and there is nothing like it. So every time we finish a commission up, we always ask the client, please leave us a review because the reviews help people to understand who we are. Um, and that sort of transparency is something that I always strive for. So... Session three is really about finding your ideal client, catering your business to your target audience, and making sure that um, your target audience can find you. Um, there's lots of different clients out there these days. There's, um, there's millennials who are one of the newer generations of clients, and these guys really have very little attention span. So how do you market to them if that's your ideal client? If you can relate to them the easiest, how do you get that business? Um, I, I had a conversation, I, I don't even know if I'd call it a conversation the other day, with a guy on Facebook, and I was busy, and I was doing a couple things at once, and he was emailing me about rates, and he, he asked for our rates, and I, I said, well, our basic rate for paying a tabletop miniature is $14, $14. that's one four, and he was flabbergasted, he couldn't believe it, he said, I, I'm used to paying 4 or $5 for a miniature, six tops, and and I tried to explain it to him in, in, in terms that, that I think he would get. Like, I, I actually typed out detailed responses. But he was in such a hurry that by the time I typed out the response, he had already been frustrated by it. He, he said something along the lines of, you know, I, you seem like you're busy, you're not paying attention. Um, so great job with your customer service. And he was really very irritated and very annoyed and, and kind of snide. And it really bugged me, and I realized that I hadn't done a good job of working with that client. In that case, he was, you know, I had treated him like I had treated all my clients. Now, which is funny to say because I treat all my clients with, I like to take time, I like to explain things in detail, I like to lay things out on email, I like to provide detailed estimates with links so they can see everything. But that guy just didn't have the time that day. And that means that I didn't tap that client the right way. Um, so that was my mistake. But it also meant that maybe he wasn't my target client. Maybe millennials aren't the people we should be appealing to. But, but maybe they're the people you should be appealing to. Or maybe you want to target the younger generation. Um, 
War games are now being aimed at a younger generation of players, younger now than ever before. Kids these days are so smart. They're just, <laughs> they're so much smarter than I was at their age. So because of that, the gamers are getting younger, but they actually don't have much more money than we did, if, if at all. So you have to think about appealing to them, but targeting their clients for the sale. Um, or maybe you want to target older clients. Maybe you're a veteran, literally a veteran. And um, you got into painting miniatures because you missed your army buddies. And now you want to paint historical miniatures for war games like Bolt Action and Flames of War. So how do you reach those clients? How do you reach your veteran clients? Um, for us, most of our clients are the like what I call the busy 30-somethings. They're people that essentially have kids, and they're married, and they have a home and a mortgage. And, and they have surplus income, but they don't have surplus time. So those clients are anywhere between 25 to 45 years old. And, and for us, they're exactly what, what we need. They're people that have a desire for a quality product and a budget to support it, but no time to paint on their own. So that's the people we target. Now, that doesn't mean they're the best client for everybody, but they're the best client for us. Um, and we're essentially always growing our, our target client base. So we may expand to millennials or, or veterans in the future not that we exclude those groups now but they're just not the average client that we get and um, what I want to help you do is find your average client whoever that is and whatever they do um, so really session three is about not only how to find them but how to increase your client conversion rate um, and what I mean by that is how do you turn an email into a job uh, kind of like I said earlier, we only actually book about one out of three jobs, and I can't wait for the point that we book one out of two, because when that comes about, we're going to grow our income by not thousands, but tens of thousands a year, um, and that's going to be really exciting to see. So for me, I'm always interested in how do I get better at converting clients? How do I turn a casual interest email into business? And really that boils down to in my opinion good customer service regular follow-up um, you know and by follow-up I don't necessarily mean just with your existing clients but I mean with the email clients that haven't necessarily become a job yet I keep separate folders in my 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 uh, on my desktop that are clients that haven't replied yet clients that have replied but aren't ready to commit but might be ready to commit later or clients that simply can't afford us. And I try to find a solution for all of them. The ones that don't reply, I give them a week and then I follow up. The ones that aren't ready to commit, I ask them for a time when they would like me to follow up with them. Usually that's about four or five months later. And I, I set a date in my calendar and I follow up. And some of those turn into jobs. And then the guys that can't afford me, well, that's okay too. We refer those to our war paint network and we try to help them find a commission painter that is right for them. Um, and that's something that you could do while you're trying to build your business. You can join war paint and we can talk more about that later in the show about, about what that is. But essentially it, it helps you to build your business while not costing us business. Um, it allows us to refer clients to you that are maybe we're a little long in the tooth for now that just can't quite afford our rates anymore. But that doesn't mean they don't need quality painting services. And because we have a higher overhead, we have to charge more. So you can afford to charge less. You're basically starting back where we started, which is a garage 
kind of a garage band paint service. Nothing wrong with that. That's where we, I am literally recording this in my garage right now. Um, but we're growing, and um, so that means that there are clients that need commission painting that haven't grown their income to our level yet. So maybe we can help refer them to you, and maybe that will be the best solution for everybody. Um, so yeah, that's that's basically about what that is. Um, conversions are not necessarily just about how you get those jobs, but it's also about how to problem solve in those jobs. What do you do when a commission goes wrong if you don't think it's going to be a return client? How do you fix commissions? And sometimes commissions do go wrong. We we get our checks or our facts crossed or you know something gets confused or we have three of the same army in-house and we mess up a detail on one of them. And what do you do when that happens? And how do you make sure that your clients don't leave the table dissatisfied? Uh, for me, client satisfa satisfaction is is 100% the most paramount thing I deal with. It, it is what I spend most of my time thinking about is how to make sure our clients are satisfied with the work we do, with the prices we charge. Um, so yeah, what are you going to do when your client is dissatisfied? What are you going to do when a package gets damaged in the mail or when it goes missing, when it gets returned to you or when you expand your business to an overseas market and packages take weeks to reach your clients? How do you reassure them in the meantime that you are tracking the package and that you are on top of it and that you are satisfied that it will be there on time, on schedule? Speaking of, how do you keep schedules? Um, so really, that's that's what session three is all about. It's about client attainment and retention. Um, how to find them, how to keep them, and how to how to keep them satisfied, really. So that leads me finally into session four. And session four is all about tapping social media. Um, as I kind of mentioned at the start of this, uh, the hobby... White Metal Games started as a hobby blog. Now, blogging is still very popular in my opinion, but um, these days people have shorter attention spans. Can you honestly say the last time you sat down and read a full blog article from beginning to end? I can't. I don't. I skim them. I find the blog articles that are appealing to me, and if they're really good, I read the whole thing. But if they're not, I just hit the high points. So how do you... Using that adage, how do you play to your strengths? Do you have a big Twitter following? Do you have a big Instagram following? Do you have no Instagram account? Do you um, converse well with people on Facebook, on social media? Are you interested in starting a YouTube channel? Um, what about Patreon? Maybe you want to start a Patreon channel or a Twitch channel. Um, this past year, we've been exploring Patreon, and that's one of the next markets we want to move into because... There is so much going on there that we really just can't even say enough about how exciting a time this is. Um, Twitch has also become super viable this year. Um, so really, it, session four is about how to play to your strengths. How do you use social media? Specifically, when do you update social media? What kind of schedule should you keep? Um, what kind of content should you develop? how do you speak to your clients on social media? How do you grow your voice? Is blogging the right solution for you? If so, how do you get your blog read more? Uh, what kind of forums do you join? Um, that kind of stuff. 
there's something to be said about growing your business, but there's also something to be said about spreading yourself too thin and growing your business too fast. A few years ago, there was a business called Worthy Painting, maybe about three or four years ago. You may remember them, and they were endorsed fully by um, by Blue Table Painting, and the industry really, really accepted them. I was really amazed by how quickly they became a competitor and a contender. And I was mystified. Like these guys that came out of nowhere in the UK and just really started hammering it out and doing a great job. And then just as suddenly they were closed. Uh, I would say in less than a year they were closed. Um, and I think what happened is they grew too big too fast. And growth is something that has to be managed. If you outgrow your clothes and you don't have new clothes to get into, well, you're just strutting around naked, aren't you? Or in clothes that are uncomfortable. So, you know, social media is great, but there is a there is a way to do it healthily, to grow your business slowly, and to make sure that you can handle the growth as it develops. Um, and that's part of what Session 4 is all about, is using social media to your advantage, to grow your business, to grow your followers, to grow your subscriptions. Um, as we like to say in the studio, why paint for one person when you can paint for everybody? And what we mean by that is we may paint a model once, but we share it indefinitely on Flickr, on our galleries, on, on all of our social media feeds. And we do that because sharing your, your stuff is really half the battle. I would say I spend as long every week doing administrative tasks, which include social media in some form or another, as I do painting. So when you think about it that way, half of my life every week is spent just updating social media. Now think about that. If I work for 90 hours a week some weeks, I spend 45 hours a week painting and 45 hours a week telling people about what I'm painting in one way or another. That's how important it is. That's how big a deal it is. Um, just to kind of finish this up and round up a little bit, um, social media is all about, it's all about, I wouldn't say who you know, but it's about being recognized. And um, it's about being seen by others, um, making sure your work is seen. A couple days ago, I tweeted a picture just on a lark. Uh, I was working on this this Vermin Lord Skaven Eshan model for a client who wants to, to start a kind of an Eshan army. Um, so he's kind of uh, this well, anyway, he, he's based on an Oni from Japanese folklore. Um, and for whatever reason, that picture just played really well. It got tweeted and retweeted all over the place, and people really liked it. And if I didn't have that social media base, it wouldn't have gone anywhere. I would have done it for one client one time. But this way, by using my social media, I'm really able to, uh, I guess, cross-pollinate, maybe, would be the best way to describe it, but really to put the tendrils of our business out there so that everybody can see it and everybody can see what we're doing. Um, I want our stuff to show up everywhere in Pinterest, in Reddit, cool mini or not, um, on um, every forum out there. We get people that come in and they say, we found us on this page, and I don't even publish on those pages. But what's happened is our social media has spread so much that people are finding us in lots of ways that I never imagined. And that's good. That keeps our business rolling in, which is important to me and important to my painters. Um, and, re and really just, you know, it, it's what keeps white metal games alive. So you can't underestimate it. Um, 
so yeah, session four is all about is all about your social media. Now, um, after you've had a month or so to build your business, or three months rather, there's the first month of the sessions. We're going to give you three months off to take a break and to build your business. Um, and then after those three months, after a quarter, we're going to come back to you and we're going to take a look at your business in session five. And this is what I like to call the review. Um, so the review is all about literally looking at your business from a client perspective and maybe doing a test a test fake commission on email. Like I'll, I'll request some models from you and you can quote them for me. And I can evaluate your estimate and your quoting process, how fast it took you, how long it took you to get back to me. Um, we could even have a dummy quote be done so that someone can send you a request for a quote and you won't even know who it is. So you'll treat them like a real client as you should, frankly. Um, we'll evaluate the analytics, analytics of your website. Um, that's something I should have mentioned earlier in the, in the website, in the, in this session, but we'll, we'll install analytics on your website so you can really analyze where your traffic is coming from, what it is, what it should be, and really kind of how to grow your business that way. We'll talk about what's working for you, what's not working for you, what you want to change, evaluate. Um, and if all else fails, the next thing we'll do is talk about the Warpaint network. And I've been mentioning that a couple times throughout the show. So now let me take a minute to sort of dive into what that is. Um, actually, you know what? I'm going to take a quick break and then I'm going to jump back in uh, with our uh, with a follow up. And we'll talk about the Warpaint Network right after this. Let's be honest. You'd rather be playing than painting. Let White Metal Games take the hassle out of painting and assembling your miniatures. We have a team of dedicated professionals who will make sure your miniatures stand out on the tabletop. Contact us at info at whitemetalgames.com. White Metal Games. Put your minis where your mouth is. So we're going to talk about war paint. Um, so first off, war paint is an idea I had years ago. And the basic idea was to... I talked about the directory earlier in the episode and the basic idea with the directory was to have a resource for people to be able to find other paint studios. But what I quickly realized was I couldn't vet those studios. I couldn't actually recommend them because I didn't really know them. Uh, I couldn't say whether or not they were good artists or good people. All I could, it was like a phone book, and it was unappealing to me. It was okay, but it wasn't what I wanted. What I wanted was to build a network of painters that share ideas and in some way share clients um, that I could help other people build their business. Um, so what Warpaint is going to be is an opportunity for painters like yourself to borrow from us, to learn from us. And essentially, when clients contact us and they can't afford us, we always ask them, if you would like, we would be happy to refer you to another service. And more so now than ever, people are actually taking us up on that. We've actually referred uh, several jobs the last six months, and it's becoming more and more common. Now, you could certainly say that that's taking money out of our mouth, but it's not. And here's why. Money out of her mouth sounds weird. Bread out of her mouth, money out of her pocket. I don't know. The bottom line is that we weren't going to get those clients anyway. They can't afford us. But that doesn't mean they can't afford you. So what we do is we offer to give you, 
the painter, all of the information you need to quote them. You can, we'll give you the client's email. This is all with the client's permission, by the way. We wouldn't just give out their information. We give you their name, their email, and what it is they're looking for. So that the first time you contact that client, you contact them with all the information you need. You know, hello, John. My name is so-and-so with XYZ Painting. You were referred to me by White Metal Games War Paint Referral Network. I hear you're looking for 10 Ultramarines and a Lehman Rust tank to match. Here's what it would cost. And that's what your email should be. So they're not having to re-explain themselves, and you can just get right down to business. So by, by joining um, this service, this client uh, apprenticeship, this mentorship, you will have the opportunity to take part in the Work Paint Network for the first, uh, for the first year, let's say, for free. Um, what we're going to do after that is we're going to start charging. Uh, and that fee will be nominal, I think. It won't be a lot. But you've already paid through, the, through this to be a part of our apprenticeship. So now what we're offering is to take you to the next step, which is helping you find clients. Now, we are going to take a percentage of that business. We ask for 25%. And I don't think that's too much to ask because as we've analyzed our business, we've actually learned that about 50%, if you can believe it, of our business really goes towards getting the business. So if I charge $15 for a miniature, about half of that is really the painting. And the other half is getting the client in the first place through advertising, through promotion, through whatever. So asking for 25% of what it is you are going to charge the client isn't too much. And to be frank, you don't really even have to pay us because if you don't pay us, we just stop referring clients to you. Um, it's to your benefit to to compensate us for our referral, like a headhunter's fee. And it's to your benefit for us to keep referring you clients because it will help to build your client base. And more importantly, after that first referral, I don't take anything. I don't ask for any extra money. That client is yours. Yours to keep, yours to lose. Um, if you can keep them satisfied, great. They're your client for life. If they come back to me, though, and they're dissatisfied, hey, we start over from square one. So the whole point of war paint is to give you an opportunity to succeed or to learn to make mistakes. Uh, but either way, we, we benefit from your service and you benefit from our referral. So everybody wins. Um, so yeah, that's it. There's going to be a link to the blog page where you can take a look at it. For right now, we have a limited number of services on it. Uh, four, I think. Um, and we want to keep the number pretty low. I'd like to keep it as low as possible, really. Because I want to be able to accurately vet these projects and say, these are services that I know can do the job and do the job well. So... Um, yeah, that's really what Warpaint is, is going to be, and I, I hope that it, ex, it expands and grows, but I think it is, and I think that it's a unique opportunity for painters like yourselves to grow your business really on our, on our, on our back. Like, we can't take these clients because they can't afford us, and you can take them because they can't afford you, so everybody can benefit here. Everybody can win, um, and that's really what I'm going for. So um, I'm going to take a quick break, and then I'm going to come back in with an outro and I'll be right back after this. If you're interested in advertising on War Council, let us know. We can be reached at warcouncil at whitemetalgames.com.
Rates are extremely competitive, but there are limited slots available, so please contact us soon. Hey guys, welcome back. Uh, that takes us into our outro. We are out of here for the week. Thank you so much for hanging with us tonight. Um, this has been a really good episode for me because I've had a lot of things I wanted to talk about. And um, just to sum up, what we are offering is four, five, <laughs> excuse me, five one-hour sessions, five hours of business mentoring for uh, $250 for 10 clients. We're looking to set up bookings starting in January. And um, ideally, once those 10 clients are set, we will meet with you on Skype once a week for four weeks. And then once a quarter after that, at least for the first quarter on the fifth session. Uh, and then you can you can decide if you want to continue or not. Um, and uh, the $250 is paid up front, but it's not due till you start. And um, you know, ideally, that'll be January. And really, this is designed as a first step on the way to your business. So I, I hope this is successful. Uh, and if it's not, hey, no skin off no skin off our back. But we want to share what we know. But we can't do it for free because we're a business and we have to uh, we have to grow. So we can grow together. Uh, that's my proposal. For a small fee, I can help you grow your business, and um, we can see where it goes, see where this relationship takes us. So um, the other parts of this show you, that you hopefully enjoyed gave you proof in the pudding, so to speak. Evan talked about his visit with White Metal Games and, and apprenticeship, and uh, that's something that we're going to get more into in the future. Um, hopefully by summer we're going to launch, launch an apprenticeship program. We're still outlining that, but I think the rates are going to be comparable, about $250 for a couple days for about you know eight, eight, or eight to 12 hours worth of mentoring in person. So um, maybe even better, I don't know. Sort of like a miniature camp, you might think of. So um, we're still developing the apprenticeship program, but the mentorship program we're hoping to start this January 2017. If you are interested in this program, please email me at info at whitemetalgames.com. Um, check us out online, whitemetalgames.com. Check out our Facebook page. Um, and, and I guess once again, I just want to say it's been a great year. I'm really looking forward to next year. And uh, I really can't wait to grow, and I can't wait to see what you guys, what you want to do. I can't wait to meet all of you. Um, I, I love this hobby, and I love sharing it with others. And I welcome you building your business and learning from our mistakes. Um, so, yeah, that's about it for now. Well, until next time, this is Caleb with White Metal Games telling you, put your minis where your mouth is. Bye-bye. Hey guys, it's Caleb with War Council. Are you a purveyor of stuff? Are you an entrepreneur with something to preneur? Do you sell things related to tabletop gaming, painting, or some other aspect of the miniatures hobby? Would you like to advertise to like at least three listeners a show? Then you've come to the right place. War Council has a limited number of sponsorship slots available. Each slot guarantees you a banner ad on the White Metal Games website, and we're at like 300 likes on Facebook right now, so clearly at least 300 people can be bothered to click the like button at some point in time in their lives. For $20 a month, we'll promote you and your products on the show. For $10 more, you can have an entire 30-second commercial, like this one, only, you know, better and more relevant and stuff. Email us at info at for more information, and until you do, 
which remains where your mouth is. Hey guys, welcome back. So today on the show we've been talking about uh, mentoring and business, and we've been talking about uh, essentially learning um, from experienced people in the same way that you go to a business and do an internship. Uh, the past, uh, I guess it's about the past nine months now, Yeah, um, Jonathan's been, been coming uh, into white metal, and um, he started out kind of just doing some work on the side, clipping sprues, cleaning up the shop. And then over time we started to sort of gravitate towards painting, because he, he is a painter. And then eventually we were able to uh, essentially start assigning him commissions, and now he does commissions. In fact, you just booked your own commission, like, through one of the referrals we Yeah, I know. No, it, was, uh, it was good. Good so, talking to. Okay. So I guess we'll, we'll just kind of start with, like, how you started out. Like, um, you, kind of, you kind of approached me. Uh, so yep, you that were... was... I remember it was two years ago. Uh, I had started trying to throw my stuff out online, and I sure. was getting a lot of heat for it. And by heat, I think you mean negative. Yes, negative I don't think heat, you mean yeah. like heat's normally a positive thing. Yeah, I was getting a lot of uh, negativity for sure. it, so I came to you. So you essentially you brought it in and asked for an evaluation. Yeah, yeah. You said you know you, what I remember was you asked me how long I've been doing this. I mm-hmm. said about a year. You were well, you weren't impressed, but you were uh, you weren't disappointed. That's I think sure. I, I think you were about where you should have been for a year. Right. And I think that the problem was is that the community is harsh. Like people, generally speaking, are it's easier to be negative than positive. Yes. So they find things to tear down rather than pick up. Um, so that's that's very common. Um, so yeah, you had taken some flack online, and you were sort of came to me for some criticism. And at the time, I didn't think, you know, there's kind of an entry point for for painting for commissions. Like yep. not everybody can do it. Yep. You have to at least be to X level. And I I frankly didn't think you were there yet, but. But you were very persistent, I'll say that for you. Like, you continued to email me and contact me, and, and eventually you kind of worked your way in. And I was like, all right, well, why don't you come in and do, I need some sprues clipped, and I need these cleaned, and I need these scraped. And right. So you very gratefully came in and did menial tasks, frankly. Mm-hmm. From there, I got to know you a little bit, and then we naturally gravitated towards uh, talking about painting. And then that, inevitably what happens, I, I've learned in internships, is that you're as soon as you fall behind, and I did, I fell behind on projects, I was willing to give you a chance. I was like, all right, all you're going to do today is paint this. You're going to yep. paint under my direction to this level, and this is how you're going to do it. Yep. And I found that you were able to follow directions very, very well. And that led to the next natural conclusion, which is, well, if he can follow directions under my direction, that means we can give him a paint recipe and he can follow directions there. So then we did, we tried that out, and we yep. gave you a paint recipe and said, paint them exactly this way using these exact steps. Which you did, and you were able to achieve similar results to that which we had achieved on our own. Mm-hmm. So you followed direction well once again. And then from there, it became only natural to extend, like, well, if he can follow direction well, he can follow recipe well, maybe he can do a private commission. And that began your commission life for us. Yeah, I remember uh, first commission. Uh, the uh, the Druid and his companions, that was that was fun. That was a yeah. learning experience. Well, and it's like anything. Like, um, you're, you're, you can paint for yourself until you're blue in the face. But when you paint for a client, it's a different, different yes, ball of wax. Because they have different expectations. They, they demand different things. Yep. So um, I, I guess to sort of, like, start from there, like, you, you've, you've been kind of under, I would say mentees about the right way to put it, maybe. <laughs> so you've been menteeing um, at this point for a little over a year, probably. Uh, what do you think overall of your experience? Like, you came in as a solo painter. At that time, it was just me and Philip. So, although the business has been around for a while, at that time, I had just began to use Philip as a painter. Right. So, what, what did you? What was your impressions coming in? 
Well, coming in, um, I honestly had no clue what I was going to be running into. Okay. So no but impressions. No, no, no real impressions. I was like, all right, you know, this is another or no job. expectations. No expectations. Yeah. You know, this is another job. Uh, this is something I want to do, and sure. this could be fun. You know, as the menial tax, obviously, I wasn't as well at following directions at first. You know, I had my hiccups. Well, yeah, everyone has their everyone has their thing. Right. I mean, to be fair, like, you know, <laughs> essentially, I was acting to do the equivalent of data entry. Like, clipping yeah. bits is pretty boring. Yeah. No, it's. But I, also pretty essential. Oh yeah, no, that was great. I got to see a lot of the uh, the, the models and stuff. It kind of sparked some creativity for my own personal stuff. Uh, yeah, you did. You did start coming to me with conversion ideas right yep. after that started. Yep. So very cool. And in fact, in the beginning, we were kind of trading quid pro quo. It was kind of like you'd come into work for a few hours. I would give you some bits so that you could build your models. Yeah, like I built the uh, the lavas. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, so we started there, and then um, did you find that like your painting? You started as I started to give you painting. And started to tell you this is how I paint. Uh, did you find that that helped with your technique, improved your technique, gave you a different thing to measure against? Or, or so, like, like a lot of what I learned was uh, um, just probably repetition. Sure. Some of it I, I kind of already knew, but didn't understand. Sure. Like you know, thinning my paints. I yeah. Didn't, I didn't think that. Like, oh, well, that makes sense. You got to thin to win. Yeah, got to thin to win. <laughs> well, and that's something that it's not necessarily published that you right. have to learn from. Like anything, it's like an on-the-job training kind of thing. Yes, definitely. Um, but uh, like the more I did it, the more I noticed my figures were coming out better. My figures were looking better. I'm starting to feel more confident with uh, how my stuff looked. I started sure. posting more online. Mm-hmm. The more I started working, and I noticed you know people were going, "Oh, hey, that's pretty good." And I was like, oh, "Hey, look at this." <laughs> sure. Yeah, um, so that's but, good. So you so the heat, so to speak, yeah. loosened a little bit. Yes. Yeah. Did you find that um, in the early days, because um, you know, there's con- there's criticism and then there's constructive criticism. Like, criticism is like, that looks shit. Yeah. But constructive criticism is, I noticed that, you're, uh, that you've got some scuff here, or I noticed that, like, your paint bled out here, or I noticed right. whatever. So those are constructive criticisms. Those are, And frankly, we ask for every client to give us those, because it's useful. It helps us build our brand. I would definitely say that I give a lot of constructive criticism, at least in the beginning. Yes, like yeah. in the beginning, you know, you weren't. It was, you know, eh, I wouldn't. Say, would you say I was a harsh this. taskmaster? Or no, would you say I was, no, 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 not harsh. No, um, you definitely you were strict, yeah. which you know I don't mind a strict taskmaster. Sure, but like you weren't overbearing. That's okay. the term. Like you weren't. It wasn't. I brought this up. Like, hey, you know, how does this look? It was. It wasn't. You know, oh, this is terrible. Gosh, start over. It was. Sure. You know, hey, you know this is good, let's work on this and this sure. a little bit more, you know, try and keep it cleaner. So as opposed to, like, tearing it down, I gave you some bricks to build it up a little yes. bit. Yeah. Okay, that yes. makes sense. Great. So um, you started to modify your technique, learning from me, and, and then um, a few months ago, about five months ago, you started to live with Philip and Val. Yep. Uh, and they are arguably much better painters than I am. Oh, definitely. Sure. So what would you say you've learned from them over the last six months? A lot. Yeah. Like, when when I first started working with them, I was basically like very very low level tabletop. Sure, sure. So with the, in the last five months, my technique has shot up to at least gold level. Um, which I would say that everybody has like kind of like their variables, and like you, you have to kind of find your comfort zone, right? And like just like some people say, like this is the best I paint. Finding the best you paint is hard. Like, because we don't always do it. We don't always... Right, we don't... We can't always paint the best we paint. That would be, like, we'd spend our lives painting 10 miniatures. Yeah. So. Um, but, uh, yeah, no, my technique has skyrocketed. You know, I've learned a lot of new things. I've been uh, 
you know, with with being able to work as a commission painter, I've been able to experiment a little bit with my yeah. own stuff, so I can yeah. try it on other. Do you think that your painting technique has gotten better? Uh, directly because you've been working with other painters that are supervised, or do you think it's more like, well, you just get better with time? Or maybe a little um, of both? I would say a little bit of both. Yeah. Like, I don't, from from Philip and Val, I, I don't ask a lot of questions. Sure. The way I I think I learn best is by observing and repeating what I see. Sure. You know, and then through that process of elimination, a process of elimination, why this worked better than this, why, mm-hmm. you know, just repeat it until I get either a result that is exactly sure. like uh, what I saw or close enough that I'm satisfied. So you would say that working alongside or at least being close in proximity to artists that are working on their own models or client models that are doing it at a higher level uh, is instructive and also kind of inspirational. Yes. And you glean something from those. Yeah. yeah. In the same way, if I look at a model online and I go, how did they do that? Like, I want to reverse engineer it. I want to think about... And that, over time, I've learned has, like, I looked at my models a year ago, I looked at my models now, and it's gotten better. And um, I think that part of that is because we, we push each other. Mm-hmm. Uh, so about, um, I don't know, maybe about a month ago now, Evan came to the studio. Evan, Evan was one of the, kind of, a, kind of a mentee. Yep. And he came in, and I think that you guys are about the same age. Um, yeah. Maybe a little bit older. He's maybe, a little bit older. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So so Evan came in, and he was trying to learn stuff from the studio. And I saw him kind of undergoing a lot of the different things you were going, like, at least in the beginning. Like, he was trying to figure out how to be faster. How do I make this better? And he was asking good questions. I mean, he was he was asking reasonable questions in terms of, like, look, I paint this way, but I, I don't have a lot of time. How do I get faster at this? How do I get better at right. this? And so do you think that based on these experiences that someone else, like, is there benefit to working as a group as opposed to working alone? Uh, yes, so uh, to 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 quote, or not necessarily quote, or to to reference uh, sure. actually an article in Science I read not long ago. Um, we uh, uh, it was a science about it was an article about existence and how we can improve our existence. So we can a lone painter can paint, and if he has no one else to say, you know, to say what how what they they think of his painting, sure, he doesn't know how good he is, sure. You get someone else to come in and who is either of equal or higher skill level to look, you can learn something, you know, whether that looks great or, you know, maybe you need to work on it more. Sure. You know, um, but uh, I'd say that uh, it was definitely a learning experience. I mean, I think that generally, like, whenever I start a new job, I mean, I haven't worked outside of my field in a few years now, but there's always a learning curve. Mm -hmm. And um, essentially the harder of the job, the steeper the learning curve. You have to learn fast. Yeah. Uh, and, and I think that this is not one of those jobs where you had to learn too fast, but because commission work is essentially, you only can really, I mean, in my opinion, you have to be at a certain level to be able to do it. Right. Uh, I mean, you can do, you can paint for friends and that kind of thing, but that's, that's different than doing commission work. Yes. Um, yeah. I, I would say that your, your commission work has been a direct correlation of your menteeing. Like, you know, under our tutelage, under learning, under watching and observing, you've gotten better directly. And because of that, you've been able to apply that directly to your commissions, mm-hmm. which you know, now you, you, know, you actively, one of the things I really like about you is you actively look for commissions. Like you're not a static guy. Like you're online, you're looking for jobs, you're pitching people all the time. Like you don't wait around. Like you look for business. I think too many people start their webpage and they go, well, people will come when they come, and they don't. This is, um, um, my mother used to tell me, you know, you don't, uh, 
not not exact words, but um, you don't you don't get anything done by just sitting around. Mm-hmm. You got to go in. You got to you got to you got to work. Sure. And I found that with uh, running, we're either working with a personal business or trying to run my own little side side gig. Sure. Um, there is no no real time to just sit back and relax. Like I try and relax, but sometimes you have to realize. It's okay. <laughs> I mean, it's a great ringtone at the very least. Yeah. No, I think it's like Zelda. You didn't set it on silent. It's okay. Sorry. Um, where was I? Uh, your mother. So yeah, my mother like told me, um, you, know, you can't get work done by just sitting around. You have to go out and do it. You can't just, you know, you don't get anything done by just sitting around. Mm-hmm. You know, you gotta you gotta work hard. You gotta uh, keep practice. You gotta keep learning. Sure. And you know, when I was younger, I was thinking, oh, I can do whatever I want. Now, you know, I'm actually doing something like this and realize I'm still learning whether I want to or not. Right. <laughs> like it's. Like the other day when I, when I started wanting to work on my own display board stuff, yeah. I found myself, I was digging through YouTube cha- uh, cha- uh, videos to find, you know, how can I do this better? How can I do this? How can sure. I do this? And I'm just like, what? <laughs> well, you, you mean, I do that too. Like I'm constantly looking for other people's inspiration and I draw ideas from other people. If I get stumped on a project, I generally go to Yahoo or YouTube or, or Google, and I start digging around. And if I find something I like, I grab what I want from it. Right. Uh, and if I find something I don't, then I, I redesign it myself. Um, and, like, I, I, you know, obviously, like, we've done these big display boards the last couple of months. Now you're looking to do a display board. I definitely don't think it's coincidence. I think you've seen what the beauty of a display board can be. Oh, yes. And so now you want to emulate that, and that's a good thing. Right. It's uh, I've seen what it takes to make them. I know w- how much it's going to cost to make it. I know you know roughly the process you have to go through, and that's just from watching Val and Philip go through that headache. Sure. Well, and and you know to be fair, they do very in depth work. Not yes. everything has to be that in depth. But that being said, I would say that you have something to learn from them. And I guess my point is that like people can we learn from each other. Yes. So what I want to do is create an environment where people can come and learn. Uh, and, and really kind of get the benefit of information that you can't find online. Like if I, you know, if I go in and for on the job, that's really what we're talking about. It's on the job training. Right. We're talking about a mentee environment where people can come in, they can learn on the job. And if they have specific questions, like maybe they're already a great painter, but they're having trouble launching their page, or maybe they're, they have a great page, but they have no patrons. Uh, uh, or, or maybe they have good samples, but they can't market them effectively. Right. Or maybe they're just struggling with a technique and they want to learn a, a new technique. And that's the environment that I think we want to develop where people can come in and, and they can learn from us. And, you know, there will be a fee involved with that. But I, I guess where I'm getting to at here is, like, did you have you found that learning under more experienced painters and business people has been beneficial to you? Yes, definitely. Like, okay. it has, as, you, as we've said a couple times, it's improved my skill yeah. by, by way beyond what I think I would ever be able to do. Sure. Um, my little my side gig is um, a little business is it's starting to grow. Yeah, maybe maybe not like this, but um, it's definitely I've seen more commissions for that throughout mm-hmm. the year than I have uh, just working flying solo. Definitely. So I mean, there's been a direct correlation between minting under a bigger business and growing your own. So would you agree? Yes, definitely. Awesome. 
Well, I mean, that's the kind of thing we want to get into the future. And, um, you know, Jonathan's been working for us for uh, a while now. So, I mean, essentially, like, that's the kind of thing you can learn from. And we're always looking for new painters, so maybe you'll be the next painter for the studio. Who knows? fantastic thing to do, folks. Our uh, our next painter is out there somewhere. We don't know who he is. Our standards are getting higher, but someone's out there. Somebody. Uh, And if you don't think that's you, that's okay. You can still get a taste of what it's like to be a commission painter for a day. So um, we'll have a link to the blog where you can kind of check in on that and find out more about it. Uh, But take it from Jonathan. You do learn on the job here. Yes, you do. And don't be afraid to come looking because I promise you, we don't bite. Yeah, we definitely (laughs) don't. All right, guys. Well, thank you for listening, and we'll be right back after this. Need a model assembled or painted but no money to spare? White Metal Games is now offering trade-ins. Send us pictures of your old models, bits, boxes, even new kits. Make us an offer we can't refuse. Don't like negotiating and haggling? White Metal Games also offers consignment services. You can send us your old models, books, games to sell. We sell them through our eBay store, and you pocket 55% of the sales price. You don't have to worry about eBay fees, PayPal fees, shipping fees. There's no crazy percentages, just easy money. Contact us at info at whitemetalgames.com today. Hey guys, welcome back. We're going to um, jump into a special interview segment this evening. Um, we have a special guest with us who's been uh, kind of hanging out for the last couple days in the studio. His name's Evan. And Evan has been joining us uh, kind of as a, a, a mentee, sort of observing life in the studio, kind of getting a sense for what it is to be a commissioned painter with White Metal Games, what it is to sort of, um, what it is the, the, a day in the life of a commissioned artist, really. And uh, he came to us with a lot of questions, and we have been um, very eager to sort of impart any kind of knowledge we could on him. This is part of our expanding business mentoring program. We've been talking a lot about mentoring um, here on the show, and not only do we do it uh, in Skype for people that are are distant, but we also were interested in providing an in-person opportunity. Obviously, as a paint studio, it's easier to learn in person than it is to learn over Skype. Um, So while there are certain things we certainly can impart through blog articles, that kind of thing, there are some things you just have to be there to learn. Um, so um, Evan was kind of our, our test subject for this, and um, he's going to let you know what he what he figured out the last couple of days, and kind of you know let you know what he thought about things. So Evan, welcome to the show. Thanks. So it's actually not your first time. You actually were with us on the Color Theory podcast as well. Yeah, I had some uh, stuff to share on color theory. Yeah, it was it was fun talk, um, and, and I think that uh, that talk continued over the last day or so when you were sitting down with the artists. Like yeah. it, it was kind of a good preface for talking about color theory face-to-face with them right so definitely a lot of um warm and cool color talk and what i learned uh the past couple of days yeah you could you could say it kind of colored the conversation a little bit kind of so um why don't we back up just a little bit why don't we start with who you are a little bit about yourself and maybe how you got into the hobby in in general okay so my name is Evan, evan strong and i'm from mclean virginia which is about a four or five hour drive. I, I'm not sure how I came across your podcast and your service, but I thought it would help me in maximizing my hobby time to learn the, whatever tips and tricks I could from a commission painter who has to meet different deadlines and uh, satisfy a lot of clients uh, to sort of maximize how I can use my limited hobby time. So I reached out on email after listening to the podcast a couple of times when sure. I heard you would be up at the Nova Open and I could meet you face-to-face and propose the idea that I could come down and sort of observe and see what 
what it was like to be a commission painter and what I can learn from you guys that I could use in my own uh, painting time. Yeah, and I think um, I, I think that when you first approached me about it, I was I was interested in this kind of opportunity because it's something that I have always I always like giving back to the community whenever I can. Um, essentially, when I was first starting out, learning from everything from blog articles to videos on YouTube, that kind of stuff was essential for me learning. So I do think passing the knowledge on is important. Yeah. Um, and when I don't have time to do blog articles and that kind of thing, in person is a great way to do it. It's it's kind of a unique opportunity. Definitely. And because you're so close, I mean, five hours isn't that far. Um, it was actually a pretty good opportunity. So essentially when the opportunity presents itself as it has now, we, we were able to take advantage of it. Yep. Um, so I guess um, in terms of what you came in with, although you're not interested really in commission painting is what I get, is that you're interested in finding better ways to maximize your time because yep. you're a full-time professional person. Yep. You have a job. Uh, so because of that, you can't, you know, spend as much time doing work as we do, but you can still learn from some of our good habits and that will allow you to maximize your efficiencies. Yes. Yeah. I, I was uh, interested in learning how to budget my time the best or create a budget to meet my own personal deadlines and keep myself accountable for, you know, I want to have a finished army on the tabletop. So, sure. Uh, well, and you think about when you have a normal job and you get your boss breathing down your neck, pushing on your deadline, saying, when is that report due? Uh-huh. You know, that's kind of who we, we have to do that too with each other. Yeah. Like essentially um, our, our clients have, they have deadlines. They have things they need to do. They have tournaments coming up. They have competitions they're attending. They have the holidays are coming up. So some of these things are going to be gifts for their children, for their loved ones, spouses, that kind of thing. So we have to keep those deadlines in mind. So yeah, we, we definitely feel the pressure. And because of that, we, you, you have to get faster. Like you can't paint at a lackadaisical course when you're just like, well, I'll get it done when it's done. Right. So in, in fact, my personal projects always get pushed off for client projects. I, I almost never work on personal projects anymore. Um, so I, I guess um, after you met us at Nova Open, um, it kind of probably reassured you that, you know, we were a legitimate group of people. We yeah. Were, it wasn't just me in a room doing voices. Like, it was actually there's multiple painters. Um, uh-huh. So uh, I guess when you first came down to meet us after Nova and you, you first came down to the studio, it was your first look at the studio. Uh-huh. So what were your first impressions upon meeting the guys, you know, kind of seeing where we operate, how we work, that kind of stuff? So I guess I had in my, in my mind I had seen some some videos of other studios and they had kind of a big open yeah we can say it bigger studios <laughs> yeah bigger studios yeah, yeah. Um, but I, I've never been to a commission painting sure. operation before so I, I didn't really know what to expect and it there's it's definitely a small business and you can tell that um, well the the three painters I the three artists I worked with they live and they paint in the same space yeah which is, um, I mean, it's totally fine. Sure. And it's it's just a part of the, one of the realities of having a small business and what you have to do, too. I think the thing people forget is that commission painting, at the end of the day, is essentially their subcontract employees. Mm-hmm. So their the money they make is based on how much they work. Right. They don't get a flat hourly rate. They don't have, you know, uh, they can't just come into work and lackadaisically start their day, watch YouTube for an hour. Like, they, they make money based on how much they paint. So for them, work and life are the same. Like they have, they don't separate them that much. Right. And when they live together, they found that it was more economical for everybody. Mm-hmm. Um, as a small business, we don't have the resources to rent out large industrial spaces like some of the bigger businesses are. So to keep our overhead low, 
working from our home was kind of ideal. Mm-hmm. Um, now we limited it to two studios because there's it, it's more economical. Like I can go to one studio and all the artists are there, and mm-hmm. so I can make my rounds, check on things, drop off supplies, that kind of stuff. Yeah. Do you think um, based on that? Um, I mean, people probably think that we, we put out a lot of models every month. Mm-hmm. So the common impression would probably be that a smaller studio like this is less efficient. But I, I think in, in reality, it's more. I mean, the guys don't have to get up and go to work. They are at work right. when they get up. Me too. I get up and I'm at, I'm at my job. Um, what did you think of the artists when you first met them? So, um, I mean, they're all very different. Yes, they are very different. Different personalities. That's yeah. definitely something that stood out to me. There's a Jonathan who is newer to the studio and um i think he paints at a level that's pretty similar to mine sure more than i mean you know most of our projects are lower level to be honest uh-huh. so we don't need every painter to be van gogh right like the painters just have to be efficient consistent mm-hmm. and produce a quality model and i like his point of view as someone who was you know he's the other mentee right he's mm-hmm. he's uh coming in and learning a lot and seems like he's been making good progress and i was impressed with his yeah, very uh, good stormcast uh project that i think that like recently. any good artist he has he had a lot of room to grow and he's he's grown like mm-hmm. he's learned a lot from us the last six months and i think he's continuing to learn mm-hmm. and uh philip philip's very helpful with uh just any sort of questions i had um he was working on some kingdom death stuff which was when i was coming here i was looking more for batch painting sure. methods but these are kind of the opposite they're kind of high level characters yeah he's yeah. doing high level high level stuff but he was very helpful with showing me his tools how he you know took care of everything how he maintained his tools sure what paint combinations he liked to use and uh i mean everybody has their preferences both yeah. from how they work their workspace like you said, colors. Mm-hmm. Uh, and one of the things we practice here is that um, we keep good records and notes about the paints we use so that, you know, the Stormcast project that you mentioned from Jonathan is a good example of this. We've established this recipe over hundreds of models now. Mm-hmm. So at this point, you know, unless there's a major variation that a client wants, for the most part, we've been perfecting that recipe for for a long time now, for over a year. So that means the clients are benefiting from every client before them. Mm-hmm. We've refined those recipes so that now... Anyone who paints that way, it will look consistent as a studio. Mm-hmm. So, kind of everybody benefits, I think. Mm-hmm. You know, and uh, Val, Val is really intense, yeah. but in, in a good way, yeah. uh, in a so, Russian way. Yeah, yeah. So I brought in a, a slaughter priest that I had finished recently that I put some extra time into. Sure. That I, I mean, I am proud of it and still proud. That's of a good-looking model. Uh-huh. Thanks. Um, but he's he's showing me what I need to know if I want to paint to beyond that level Mm -hmm. i have to start thinking about what are the focal points of the model and how you don't just you know highlight all the upper edges Mm -hmm. you need to if you have uh let's say the model's chest is higher up and it's more you need more contrast and light there than you would use on the skin that's you know on his lower back yeah so I, I mean, that it's more way. of like a, I mean, he takes a very realistic approach to painting. Mm-hmm. Like, this is how the model would be in real life. Mm-hmm. Like, this is where the light would hit more. Right. Therefore. And for the higher level models, we do gold, platinum models, those kind of things. We definitely think about that. Mm-hmm. And as you as you get to be a better and better painter, you know, you sort of, 
you start to think about how you push your limits. Yeah. And he's definitely one of those guys that pushes our limits. Like mm-hmm. he, he he's constantly sort of pushing us to achieve better models. And I'm not embarrassed to say that he's a much better painter than I am. Mm-hmm. So what he allows is for us to, you know, really grow. Like, he, you know, you need someone there kind of pushing you to, to, to beyond your comfort zone. If you don't, how can you grow? Definitely. Yeah. And uh, he also, I mean, he also showed me really practical stuff like laying out your workspace in a way that is more efficient for batch painting as well. Sure. Which I appreciated. Even though right now they're focused on some higher level work. I mean, just last month they put out a Space Marine Army very, very quickly. Mm-hmm. So the practical steps he learn, you learn applied at every, at every level of painting, really. Um, so even though he was showing you higher higher contrast technique, doesn't mean it can't apply to lower level models. It's just essentially, you know, you, you learn it this way and it will also apply this way. Good habits trickle down. Right. You know. Um, okay, so you got some time to hang out with every artist and every one of them, it sounds like, had something different to impart. Mm-hmm. Um, and your primary goal, or one of the primary goals, was to come in and to make sure that you, you came out of this with some tricks and techniques for being faster. Yeah. Do you feel like that happened? Yeah, I'm definitely going to... Um, it's a little late for what I'm working on now, but I'd like to try more pre-shading sure. in the future sure. to uh, see if that could speed up. Did you? Um, so pre-shading is one of those things that we've recently began to adopt, and I think overall it does achieve a more dynamic miniature faster. Mm-hmm. Um, do you think that they were able to impart those techniques to you in a way that was understandable and rel- something that you can take home and, and apply it? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Because, um, I mean, what you don't want it like, with much like the color theory podcast, these some of these techniques are thick. They're heavy, and it's hard to wrap your mind around them. So finding a way to um, – we learn as a team. If one person has something they can impart, we all benefit from it. Um, you know, Dennis is a really good example of this. Dennis brought LEDs to us, and we hadn't really experimented with them before. But because he knew how to use them, he could teach us how to use them. And right. now – we're able to use them on client projects in the same way that if I uh, if I'm really good at kit bashing, I may be able to kit bash a model that Philip can then paint, and then again everybody kind of benefits. Mm-hmm. Um, did you find that um, uh, I guess that there were things that you didn't think about that they they brought to the table that you uh, I might I might not have even thought to ask, but it's like man, that's a good idea. Like I hadn't thought about that. <laughs> maybe not. Maybe he's got a stump look on his face. <laughs> uh. I'll have to think. I'll have to think. About sure, that. sure, sure. Well, um, why don't we start with this? Like, um, so you came in with various impressions about the studio. Some of them were, you know, uh, some of them were altered. Um, but do you feel like your time was, in general, it was well spent? You feel like the last two days were valuable to you? Yeah, definitely. Sure. Is this the kind of thing that you think um, other people would sort of get a benefit from? Like, if they were to come in, you know, may, maybe being at or below your skill level, that they would learn from it, they would benefit from the time they spend with the artist. Yeah, I think there's a lot of things that each artist can uh, teach you and I I would even consider uploading some of that content yeah sure online that what do you think about um, when you paint do you normally paint alone uh, I paint alone yeah like I, some people do what we call sewing circles where they have a, a group of friends they get together and they paint right but. that sounds a lot of, like a lot of fun but I don't have any friends <laughs> in the area that okay do that. well in some areas are unfortunately cut off and isolated and they just don't have a lot of painters but did you feel like um, afterwards that you feel like there'd be a benefit to painting in a team versus painting on your own or yeah, yeah. I, if not just for sharing techniques or um, I mean even just knowing someone else's painting that sure. you could uh, motivate you to keep going. 
What were some of the things you, you found at the studio that um, maybe are things you haven't considered in your own work that you may now want to apply? Um, like, for example, we were working on a display board downstairs. Do you, um, do you ever think about how you want to display your models? Uh, or have you ever considered that? Before? I've not considered that. I'm just putting them on a shelf now. Sure. What I have noticed is that the display board is a lot of work. It's a lot of work, right. Yeah. Do you think that um, if you had a, a product that you wanted to display like an army, do you think that would be the kind of thing that you would want to even consider doing? Or do you yeah. think there's some value in that I, maybe? There's definitely value in the display board. Sure. Uh, like you said, um, at tournaments, it's a great way sure. to show off this army that you've I mean, you put so much care into yeah. the models. You should have a very interesting way to display them, and it also adds more character to... There's only so much you could get across with the base of Yeah, the well, it's not very big. I yeah. mean, 30 millimeters doesn't convey much story. Right, but, yeah. um, I mean, if you put all this love and care into these dudes, and you probably have a story to go with the dudes, sure. then the display board's a great way to to show that story. And show Do you, um, so I know that one of the things you came in with, you brought in some Signar models and we were taking a look at those and, and I actually think they're really good. Mm-hmm. I, I like a lot of the techniques you brought to the table. Do you think that from the last couple of days you'll go home with like renewed sense of purpose to finish them or do you think that you've picked up enough sort of tricks that you may be able to pump them out faster? Yeah. Um, my personal problem is I got, there's always new models coming out that yeah. I always like and I want to, you know, get a little bit of everything because I'm inspired by one thing or another. And one that kind thing, of new flavor of the month. Yeah, yeah, and what I thought I could really benefit from was approaching my personal army as if it were a project I were doing for like someone a, like else a commission. with yeah. a deadline. Yeah. And I, um, you know, before I came here, I set them all up and I did the airbrushing, the blue highlights on everything. And I think I'm have a, you know, the drive to go home and apply what I've learned and finish it up and hopefully I can send pictures along to you guys. I mean, there's really, and I'd love to see them. I'd certainly like to share them. I mean, there's, there's nothing like playing with painted models. Yeah. And I think a lot of people get into that rut, like you said, where they, they're, they're to that point in the project where it's, it's hard. Mm -hmm. It's like they're through the airbrushing stage or they're through the base coating or priming stage. And now, now it's back to actually being hard work. Yeah. It's like, you're not just spray painting anymore or or airbrushing. Like now you actually get down to the brass tacks Mm -hmm. of laying details in. And that's where it gets very taxing, and uh, I think that people get burned out easily there. It's much easier to envision a new, shiny, unpainted model than finish an old model. Yeah. And that's hard. I mean, it's I have plenty of personal projects of mine that got put aside because I was busy. Mm-hmm. So finding, I think that's a good idea is to sort of motivate yourself, like treat yourself like your own client. Give yourself deadlines and then mm-hmm. see what happens. Because yeah. with client, with not clients, but with people that go to tournaments, they're constantly... Uh, I hear them saying things like, well, if I get this done, I'll be able to do this. And nine times out of ten, they don't. Like, I hear them say, like, well, I was going to do this, but I ran out of time. Well, did you run out of time, or did you not budget your time? Yeah. Like, how many hours were you spending playing a video game that week? Mm-hmm. Like, or how many hours a week were you doing this or doing that? Mm-hmm. So you have to sort of allow yourself that time. Um, or even worse, just force it, make yourself do it. Yeah, I think yeah. there's one of the things I've been trying to develop is motivation is great but discipline is also important sure and you i feel good when i have the discipline to sit down for maybe an hour a day after work yeah and because there's always something you can do Mm -hmm. if you i also like to keep my paint set up like always accessible never packed up sure 
so I can just sit down and you yeah. know, watch Netflix I, and do something. For I think that hour. goes back to having a good dedicated workplace. So you're not unpacking, repacking your stuff constantly. Having a wet palette, for example, if you're mixing custom colors, leaving those in your wet palette means that the next day when you come back, you're just you get right back to work. Yeah. You're not coming back, remixing colors, trying to desperately figure out what blended technique you were using. You're just like, well, this is exactly what I had yesterday. Right. Um, and having a dedicated place to work is is important for that. Mm-hmm. So, you know, uh, I think discipline's the right word to apply there because, like any, when I was a kid, um, I took guitar lessons and I asked my teacher, I was like, how how much time do I need to spend a day doing this? Which was probably a good sign that I wasn't into it. Yeah. Because I was I was looking for the minimum number, and he was like, well, at least an hour a day. And I was like, an hour. That's crazy. But now, as an adult, uh, if I don't spend the days where I don't get to paint, it's very frustrating because it's like I know I'm just going to have to spend more time the next day painting to catch up. Uh, because, you know, it, it boils down to just ass and chair time. You just have to sit there and do the work. Yep. Um, and you may be able to do it faster or more efficiently the better you get. But there's still going to be a lot of time in that chair. you got to just sit there and do the work. So, I mean, it sounds like some of that was just learning the hard reality there. I think you came in with the question about how to paint faster, and I think at one point today you looked at me and you were kind of like, well, you only get so fast, yeah. <laughs> you know. I mean, and It's that's, always going to take yeah. more time. I mean, time. you're never as fast as you want to be. And some models paint faster, frankly. Like, I'd rather paint, like, a Wookiee any day of the week as opposed to Darth Vader. Yeah. Because I, the Wookiee, I can dry brush till he's done. Yep. Vader's got a lot of hard lines to highlight. Um, so, you know, I don't know why I have Star, Star Wars on my mind. But. Well, I'm a, I've got an Imperial Assault set that I've kind of half finished that I'm trying to finish before uh, Rogue One comes out. Oh, so yeah, that's sure. probably my next nice well um why don't we why don't we kind of round this up a little bit so um if there were people that were interested in coming to attend the studio um i guess what what advice would you give to them would you recommend they do it what what should they come in with what expectations and how can they best spend their time so i think you there's definitely something to learn from each of the artists sure and i think one-on-one time with the artist is good and make sure you bring you know, I would come with questions prepared, or you know, yeah, you just need to know if you're having problems with a certain part of yeah. your project. I think that's a good advice. Like, come in with the questions you have, mm-hmm. so that we can answer. Because if you're like, "How do you paint better?" Well, that's a big topic. Yeah. But if you're like, "Hey, man, I'm having trouble with wet blending," okay, we right. can work on that. Mm-hmm. Like, that's something we can do. Um, but um, and, and you know, you came in kind of with the question like, "How do I paint faster?" Mm-hmm. And so I think that was one of the things we were kind of focusing on is yeah. like better ways to manage your time. Mm-hmm. So um, I think that you weren't very, you weren't terribly interested in doing commission work. Um, and most of what I have to impart, I think, to people is like how to run a business. Yeah. That's that's what I spend the well, majority did, of my time I, on. Um, as a business professional sure, myself, sure. I yeah. find that interesting. It's just I not looking to start my own no and 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 i'm i'm glad we won't be competing with each other but i think that um i I like your your idea about um i I, even if you don't paint commissions for other people you can always paint models for friends Mm -hmm. because the benefit of that is you're you're getting outside of your comfort zone and you can uh learn sort of on their behalf Mm -hmm. like if someone's like hey i really want you to paint this red dragon it's like well i don't really need to paint that but I'll learn something from that. So that's something that we constantly are challenging ourselves with is we're painting models that 
these are games, some of these games I've never even heard of before. And they send us models, and then we're tasked with how do we how do we capture the spirit of the game in this without even knowing what the game is. And there's always plenty of new oh, man. games being yeah, with, with Kickstarter out there, it's yeah. like there's a crazy number of games. Uh, do you feel like a couple of days was enough time to pick up stuff, or do you feel like more time would have been helpful? I could have benefited from more sure. time. Yeah, um, I mean, they—it's it a lot of information. Of the, yeah, but yeah. it's also towards the end of the month they have uh, deadlines they're working sure. on. So yeah, if I were um, super interested in how do I make my own display board, sure. I could have learn more from that yeah i mean i think that if you come in with a topic in mind we can sort of direct the training towards that because i think one thing that's very clear is we don't do one thing we do we're not just doing painting stuff we're doing commission work consignment work we do lots of different types of models we build custom displays custom models conversion whatever like you you had this project here where you're converting the uh, the chaos guys with kind of kit bashing it with stormcast and i'm personally not a big conversion guy sure but if someone is really interested in conversions yeah they can learn a lot from that and that's the thing is every time someone comes in with an idea it may not be something i've thought of but it's something that it's very important to them so if we can help them realize that dream that's even better um and you know for the people out there that don't know how to do it all, all they're doing is taking advantage of our experience just like if i go to a nice restaurant i take advantage of the chef having cooked hundreds of steaks to make mine amazing mm-hmm. same thing you know, I'm paying for a service, they're paying for a service, and why not learn from people that paint thousands of models a year? I yeah. mean, that's a good, I mean, I, I think that it's a, it's a good good thing to do. I think with, um, you know, with YouTube and Twitch streams and online articles, there's more and more opportunities to uh, learn from people who do this, but I sure. thought that it'd be really cool if I could nothing Nothing beats see, in person. Yeah, just go and see people do it and how they do it every day and yeah. i thought it was very insightful cool well um it's been a pleasure having you the last couple of days Thank and um, I'm, I'm certainly eager for other people to benefit from this as well so um if you were interested in this we will have a mentoring page up soon you can check it out i'll provide a link to that when it's live um and, and in the meantime um, evan thank you for for being our guest the last couple of days thank you very much for having me Thank you.